Hi, I'm Zach, and I was not euphoric about Euphoria. Excuse me. Take that back. Ah, I just watched one episode. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. I just I watched like half of one episode, and I got, I had a problem. <gasps> you I, have I shot me in the heart. I know. I know. This is gonna be this is gonna be a hot topic with us today because oh, I have I have okay. some feelings. Okay. I, some feelings. I also have feelings. But I know you do. <laughs> my name's Caitlin, and if we're picking teams here, I'm Team Rue. I'm Team Rue all the way. Love me of some Rue. Great. I remembered Rue from the first episode. I know what you're talking about. And this is Manipulating the Masses. Don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives. Tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel. Who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men. Machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You, the people, have the power. Okay. All right, Caitlin, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it today. Uh, really we're we're going to take a look. You really set the tone for this. Like... <laughs> I am in fighting mode now. You're, you're like leaning up in your chair. You like sat up straight. I'm, you're like, I'm going to tell you why the fuck you're wrong. All, I don't know why you didn't like it, but you're wrong. All my um, all my browsers are closed. Like you have my undivided attention. Every neurological brain cell is devoted to being team oh, euphoria fuck. in this. Like, let's go. We're ready to throw okay. down. Yeah. <laughs> You and many, many other people, because it is a large viewership, which I will get into as well. Um, but today, overall, we're, we're going to take a look uh, specifically at Euphoria, its, its huge rise, but specifically how the cast of Euphoria is now leveraging brand partnerships and how that is a piece of kind of the modern superstar or the modern fame is how you, you utilize your content to leverage different brand partnerships and who you partner with specifically. Um, and then on the flip side, at the end of this, we're gonna take a look at a new wave coming into this brand partnerships where influencers who have made their money exclusively on brand partnerships are now making their way into the TV and film industry. Mm. So it's creating this little bit of overlap, um, but it's just starting. So I'm very intrigued because you are the Euphoria fan. You are the social media TikTok person ish, you know, like as much as you would like to admit. Um, so maybe you'll know some of these people because I knew absolutely zero of them. Um, first off, okay, let's get into the question. Caitlin, you're a fan of Euphoria. Uh, I watched the first episode yesterday. Uh, I'm going to ask you a straight up question. What What do you think is the draw of the show? Why? Why is it a hit in your opinion? Okay. I think it pushes <laughs> boundaries. Everyone loves okay. to watch a train wreck. And the show sets that tone. Um, okay. That's one. The second is the makeup like everyone is talking yeah. about euphoria makeup the third is the high school like dynamic it's so mature and you're kind of like <laughs> as a 32 year old you're like man 
you're kind of reminiscing, you're kind of wishing that you had that high school experience to a degree. It's kind of like, my high school is nothing like that. I love to watch a good high school drama, but I'm not watching like, I don't know, what are what are some high school dramas like Vampire Diaries or Degrassi. like Degrassi. Degrassi. Yeah, it's yeah. like it puts an adult spin on high school. Um, not to mention like some of the characters, some of the actresses are legitimately 30 years old and you're like, what did you do yeah. to your face? Because you look amazing. Um, <laughs> so there's a couple of things. Okay. Wait, okay. I can go on. I think for me also. Keep going. Keep, keep going. going. Yeah. I keep love, going. I love the way that they approached gender identity. I thought it was so well done and it talked about it mm. without explicitly talking about it. Um, and I, it was a part of the script. It was a part of the narrative, but it wasn't like, Hey, we're calling attention to this just so we can call attention to this. So I feel, I just feel like mm. they handled a lot of adult, like really sensitive conversations in a really mature way uh in a really tactful way they talked about it without directly talking about it and i thought that was really well done i have no idea what you're alluding to uh oh. but yes i'm sure it came up in the plot did it come up in the first episode yeah dude you didn't watch till the episode. end you didn't watch till the end did you oh nope <laughs> i cashed out I, there was a specific scene caitlin that i was just like uh okay can i just can i go at it from my side like my first i wanted to like it Okay, I came in, I was like, no expectations. Everybody else, when I was like, I gotta watch an episode for you know the podcast, they were like, oh, it's so good. Everybody's like, it's so good. It's so wait, wait, good. wait, can I ask a um, question? When you say everybody, I, was it male or female? Female. It was mm -hmm. female, okay. Female, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think, and this is, we'll get into the viewership data, but it does skew heavily, heavily female mm -hmm. who watch it. Um, there is a little male in there, but it is a, I mean, like you said, the, the, the draws are like the makeup and the, uh, you aesthetic. know, aesthetic and yeah. the, and the young, and these 30 year olds playing young women. And you're like, no, like all of that shit would go way over my head. You know, not, I'm not the target audience for that. It was, I liked that it was nihilistic. I liked that kind of tone that it was like, everything sucks. Why should you care? Why? Like, I think that captured the tone of the youth really, really well. And that's its biggest draw mm -hmm. is that kind of like, not everything. It's a, it's a teen drama made with adult topics because that's what real fucking life is. You know, I think it's authentic and that's why I liked it. You know what? Until. Else? Okay. Okay. Oh, Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. No, okay. Go ahead one other thing we'll, that we'll I really positive things. Yeah. One other thing that I really like about it is the way that they frame high school. So TV shows in my generation, high school, there were cliques. There were the popular girls. There were the jocks. There were like the freaks. Uh, there were the nerdy kids. Those were the TV shows that yeah. we were watching. And it was always this fairy tale if like the nerdy girl got a jock. But this show yep. merges those and blurs those lines. There are not cliques. There are just like individual relationships. And that is what I really appreciated about that because it kind of influences how people go about their high school careers. 
Um, yeah. I don't know how much more yeah. to say about that. Well, but. I think, I think that's more authentic to my high school experience. Like I, you know, I had my group of friends, but like, it was, it was really, it was really like, just kind of like friends with everybody. And I think that captures the modern, like I, when I go down to get coffee, there's this group of high schoolers that are like waiting for the bus every day by the train station. And like their looks are you know, euphoria-esque and they're just hanging out with everybody. Like, I yeah. don't see it clicky too much. I think it captures, like, everybody's individualized now. Like, you yeah. have your own profile. You have your own phone. Like, you can be individualized. You don't have to. Your your weight is not affiliated to or popularity is not affiliated to who you hang out with. Yeah, and um, I think in our yeah. generation, yeah, yeah. it was promoted that you are a part of a clique. Like, sure, in our high school, we had a pretty small mm -hmm. high school, so there weren't, like, defined cliques, and, like, you did have these relationships, but at the end of the day, like, these shows were really promoting, like, yeah, there's the jocks, there's the cool girls, there's the yeah. athletes, and you did kind of, like, find yourself fitting into that mold a little bit, and this show really promotes the fact that, like, there are no jocks. There's a person who mm. plays football, but then he also hangs out with the transgender kid or like that's his best friend. Mm -hmm. And like, and so that's what it's starting to promote, which I appreciated just kind of growing up in a different era. Love it. And I agree. And I think the interesting thing is like now our age is starting to write the high school dramas. Like before it was the kids in the eighties were writing ours and that's how it was in the eighties. They were just writing their own experience mm -hmm. clicks and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's now starting to hit media, which is great. Mm -hmm. So love all that about euphoria. I don't, and it just frustrates me. I, I don't like, I think the I think the male characters are are flat. I think they're one dimensional and it's like the opposite, right? Like I didn't make it all the way to the end. So based on what you're saying, like the guy's best friend was was having gender identity um problems, which makes sense more to the point that I got. But like it was the scene where they're all in the first episode where they're all like huddled around the phone can like, i looking at pictures of naked like that never fucking happens like i don't know man like can you because it's been so long since season one came out can you break down what you saw in in the first episode like what happened in the first episode and who were you introduced to rue rue did her introduction okay she went to one girl's house to get fake pee at one point and that like introduced it to a bunch and then she went to the gas station with the fez guy was that his name like um that guy went to get drugs from the baby drug dealer from the little baby drug dealer and then uh which was weird that was a weird choice like i was like okay like you're trying to be edgy but like a six-year-old drug dealer okay anyway um so went there got the drugs and then the douchey football guy drove by and like terrorized that one girl and he was just being generally douchey and then the guys were all like hanging out shirtless like in like together shirtless and in some weird lighting and then going on the phone and looking at this secret directory of like naked girls pictures hmm. and i was like dude I just can't right now. I'm just not the target market. I think I just hit that point and I was like, Duh. 
Yeah. I okay. just need to know enough to get through a podcast. Like that's where I got. And I was like, I just need to know enough to get through a podcast. Okay. Uh, I'm probably just, dragging this out really. more than you wanted, but I will say that. Not, um, not at all. Not okay, at all. cool. Um, I can't really remember the first, uh, definitely not the first episode, let alone like the first season. Uh, but in season two, they do go into each individual character. So I do see that that football player could be seen as one dimensional. I 100%. And I appreciate that you said that too, because I'm always the one being like, yeah, fucking Catwoman was one dimensional. Like, why can't yeah, they? Yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate that you said that yeah. about a male character. Um, Definitely. Uh, but in season two, I think season one, they're asking you to once again, suspend your disbelief, especially with mm. the six-year-old drug dealer, because it's like, hey, we're presenting the narrative and it seems fucking ludicrous. It's out of control. Like there's more that goes in you. There's a lot that happens in season one hang in there with us because season two will present the backstories of all of these characters and why you see everything play out in season one okay ah keep going i'm just not gonna get invested that long i mean i'm with you i think that was my biggest thing was like i just feel um and this is tv and movie in general like i'm loving all the lead women characters mm. and and like I, I get frustrated when they like do reboots and then it's like it's half-assed it's just like a reboot with a woman lead like later on we're going to talk about TikTok uh person what's her name charlie D diamalo or something like that diamalo is like doing a a reboot of she's all that but it's just he's all that and it's like dude no. that like you can That's come up Addison with like Rene, i know zach Oh, fine. One Jesus of the two. I have it Christ. Later. I was trying to go off the hip. I'm trying to go off the hip here, Caitlin. Uh, it's in my notes. So uh, <laughs> do not try to school uh, so, like, me on just, celebrities. <laughs> I'm I'm not trying to school you on any celebrity shit. All I'm saying is like that. Yeah. Like I just feel like with these these ones that just have a lead role, like it, you were kind of seeing the opposite where the male character falls flat. I think it's like, it's just like when there was a majority of male writers, the women characters were one dimensional and they all wanted a man. And now it's, it's hard to write for characters that are the opposite gender. If you're a female writer, it's hard to write about men and, and not make them seem like buffoonish and um, there, crazy. Right? A, and for women, it's like, yeah, same thing. There's a funny meme yeah. that I read one time that was, that was like, a male writer portraying a female character. And it went on to say like, she was so stunningly beautiful without knowing that she was beautiful. Like there's always that like element of mystery around the woman. And you're just like, dude, all, always. It's always like, she was so beautiful and all the guys loved her, but we, we really appreciated that she didn't know she was beautiful and you're like okay yeah. it's like she's all that no. like you take off her glasses and it was like oh <gasps> the oh. curtain oh my god she's wow. beautiful without glasses wow. shocking oh my god wow yeah so i agree i think it's the nature of and i just saw that from the beginning like i just i just hate the like teen stuff that shows like I, I don't know. In my personal experience, I've never sat around with a group of guys and like looked at naked girls' pictures on a phone together. Yeah, like, I can imagine that's titties. awkward. Like, 
Yeah, I'm just, it's like not something I've ever done. And it's portrayed so often that I think I'm the weird one. Like guys <laughs> like going around and like just looking at shit like that together. And I'm like, I've never done that. So whenever a scene like that comes up and it happens multiple times, I'm just like, this is, mm. this is ridiculous. You're triggered. Um, Anyway, so we we could go all day. We're not an entertainment podcast. We could go all day about that. But I do want to talk about the consumption uh, and how people are viewing Euphoria because it is predominantly female. But the, the interesting piece that I think Euphoria did in their most recent season, and I'm going to hit you some numbers, is they actually got people to watch it live. It was it was people were bought in where they would stop what they're doing and like start watching it same day or like right when it's released on streaming. So um, with the first episode, the first episode when it was released, episode one drew a viewership of about half a million, excuse me, just over half a million on the first night when it was released. Uh, Sunday streams and like replays of it. So by the end of the weekend, it jumped to 1.1 million. And that's typically how it goes with the young shows, right? Like not a lot of people will watch it live, but a ton of people will stream it. It's the watch when you want type of uh, situation. Um, however, by the by the the first night audience when they were watching it live at the season finale of season two was 6.6 million. So in one season, they like, up their live viewership by 12 fold right like a huge 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 jump in that um so what are your opinions knowing the show well and i know you know you're tuned in there was like a cultural phenomenon when the season finale was coming out like it was like a big thing like what do you think about the show got gen z's and millennials to watch live like we never watched live tv um, okay, so yeah, this was an interesting uh, shift that I saw because nobody was talking about it during season one. I think it was very like underground and it was kind of like, are you watching this show? Yeah. yeah, are you watching this show? And um, not to be mm -hmm. like that girl who'd be like, yeah, I was the first to watch Euphoria. I was of that half a million, <laughs> um, but it wasn't really talked about. And I forget the year it came out. I mean, 2019, 2020, maybe. TikTok yeah, something like that. really pushed season two, just catapulted it. That is where I, that's what I witnessed because nobody was talking about it. Mm. Nobody was doing the makeup. Like there was, yeah, there was kind of like a cultural shift on the internet, like talking about Zendaya, talking about Hunter Schaefer, who plays Jules. Um, but you didn't really see the larger population start doing the makeup and talking about euphoria and the outfits until season two. And I think that's when TikTok fucking took mm. off as an app in general. Um, and then euphoria found its calling in TikTok. So how did, cause I'm not on there. So how did it find its calling in TikTok? Like what kind of content was being spread and shared? um uh, outfits a hundred percent outfits so there was like this one kind of theme that people would like come across the screen and they were all in sweats and then it was like oh yeah forgot that i go to euphoria high school and they'll transition it'll be a transition clip into like them in like the just like club 90s kid aesthetic gear where like that was the type of outfits that euphoria like euphoria characters wore so there was like that 
trending that that went trending and viral for a while mm, um okay. was like forgot i went to euphoria high school they go off screen they come back on screen just like dressed to the nines mm, so that was mm -hmm. one thing but then also like i just think it was TikTok in general like i don't think TikTok was as popular as it was in season one and then season two happened the same amount of people are talking about it but they're just talking about it on a larger scale and like these trends are mm. going viral that's my opinion and obviously the makeup uh transitions are a big thing are widely viral and popular yeah. on TikTok. um and then of course like the actual fit like apps on TikTok or what what am i trying to say um yeah kind of apps filters where it's like, filters thank you where it's like what what uh euphoria character is my best friend and then it'll like keep flipping through until it lands on someone uh, yeah you know yeah. those things those became really popular yep. and euphoria hopped on that trend um so yeah i i think it was the app in general became a lot more popular and widely used by everyone across the board when season two was out versus season one mm. and it's interesting to me that the type of content wasn't necessarily story driven it was more like character and it was a emulating fashion the fashion outfit, yes yes yeah so it really was it's a show you watch for the aesthetic, aesthetic right like yeah. that that is what i got as well um okay interesting um so what do you think about that i love that that it gained popularity through TikTok, and we'll touch on that because that is just where people are gaining fame now um but what do you think about the show got people to tune in same day, like same night, as soon as it's released. Like, is it that kind of you buy into the character and you follow the character's fashion and you're kind of invested in that person and you're waiting to see yeah. what they do next week? Or is it, it, it yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like, it can't be the overall story, right? Like, it can't be just a I think it is overarching narrative and it's not mm. i don't think it's the fashion that kept people watching it by any means whatsoever it's the fashion that was able to catapult it into viral success on TikTok. gotcha but in gotcha. season two i know you didn't watch season two but it really breaks down the character's background so you even question like what the fuck what is a six-year-old doing dealing drugs that is answered in season two and so it goes so far gotcha. and so deep into each one of these characters that people were probably like okay they talked about rue in this episode i can't wait for them to talk about cassie in in this next episode and mm. so maybe people just were mm -hmm. really invested in each one of these characters that they dove into okay i love it so in that vein Who's your favorite character and are you invested in them as a character or do you also follow them on social media and follow their personal lives as well so hit me with that love rue as a character because as a tortured soul i relate <laughs> to all of her fucking mm mental disorders and so i'm like mm -hmm. super invested in mm -hmm. rue uh but okay. in, so and and obviously like zendaya as an actress like blew the sky off of popularity um she became she was like awarded like a some sort of like fashion award like literally fashion icon of 2021 so mm. 
her as an actress, I definitely followed as well as her as a character. But my other favorite character that I stand by is Hunter Schaefer, who plays Jules. And mm-hmm. the very and I'm I'm upset at you that you did not watch episode one all the way through because <laughs> this is where they talk oh, about Oh, she was going to that one yeah, she was going to that one hotel room with the creepy guy. Yes. Yeah. But mm-hmm. they also you they talk well how do i even say this like in the end of the episode you see jules and zendaya like in a bed just kind of like laying together and then the camera pans up and you see that hunt that jules is transgender and Mm. and that is what i mean about like them talking about topics without explicitly talking about them so they're not only talking about bisexuality or even open like gayness they're talking about transgender topics without ever fucking talking Mm -hmm. about it and that is when i became obsessed with hunter schaefer because Mm. she is just like yeah i i think she just like became a cultural phenomenon at that point to me because i was like wow they really cast this person to just play a female as opposed to like playing a transgender female and that's what i loved Mm -hmm. about it it's just like Mm -hmm. they just she's just a female in the character it's not like a trans so anyways i thought that they did a really good job of that and then of course hunter schaefer is just stunning and she became at maybe you'll get into this but like locked a lot of brand partnerships she's the face of shiseido now um she is like she's literally all over my wall in terms of photography like she just has very stunning features um so those are the two people that i stand by as their character and i follow religiously as icons in our (laughs) in our culture oh okay and then uh with uh with zendaya uh you follow her feed what what type of brands do you notice that she posts on her feed or do you not notice those at all (laughs) i okay so i actually don't follow her um on Mm. i don't follow her feed okay um but i subscribe to like outlets that post a lot about zendaya and her fashion um (laughs) okay one fucking commercial that stands out and actually like it's cap won't stop singing it my husband won't stop singing it at every chance he gets is she is an ambassador for a perfume company um it's is is it l'oreal or is it dior um she's the face of dior or something Um, And the commercial is just like her riding this majestic horse with her like holding up this perfume. Like she's fucking like changing the world. And it's just like this power move. So that's the one brand that I associate her with. Uh, Valentino. She also did the. uh, She's the face of Valentino. Valentino. Um, Mm -hmm. I pulled that one. I pulled that one. What other is that it? The, That's the, all you got? Yeah, the commer the the makeup brand and then which I think is Dior. Is it not Dior? Am I wrong in that? Let me check. Uh I didn't see it come up. Okay, okay. Um it might it might be. Um but uh Zendaya we'll start with her as far as brand partnerships go of the cast because she was the only one that came in with like a little bit of clout. She had her Disney yeah uh days where yeah. so she's been in campaigns with like Tommy Hilfiger. Uh, Boohoo and Cover Girl. Is it Cover Girl? 
that you're thinking of? No, but is it CoverGirl? No, no. Um, Landcomb. Yeah, there's another one called Landcomb. That's it. Landcomb. That's the one. Landcomb. Um, but yeah, she came in with some clout, but she's been doing brand partnerships for a while, and you see it start to leverage. Um, you see it start to be utilized, and then it's kind of because season two of Euphoria is blown up. All of them are now getting brand partnerships. And typically like for me, like you would get like, you know, George Clooney is like an espresso spokesman. So you'd see it here a little bit, but like these guys are like going full in brand partnerships, like All how reality stars used to do. Yeah. Like it used to be just, you do reality TV and then you do brand partnerships to just make, and now everybody's doing it. Um, so let's do Hunter Schaefer too, since you loved her. Um, you said shit, how do you say it? Should, 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 how do you say the makeup line? Shiseido. 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 Global brand ambassador. Shiseido. Um, and then the ad that I saw recently, uh, it had the tagline, Hunter Schaefer channels inner strength into smooth, resilient skin with ultimate, with ultimune. Um, inner strength into strong, resilient skin. Sounds creepy to me, but okay. You know what? I'm not the one writing. I am the one writing makeup ads, but... Do you... That one didn't ring with me. And do you think it's kind of like manipulative of her being transgender and her being like, and then being like, oh, she has a lot of inner strength to come out as transgender. And now we're going to use it as marketing material for a makeup brand. Yeah. Or you don't I have a place think on so. that. I think it no, I definitely have a place. I do think it's a, it, it's exploiting a, a little bit. It's, it's crossing that line that you and I always talk about when marketing, where if you're trying to do good, great. But if you're trying to make money off of good, yeah. then it's a little, it becomes a little shady. So, and that's um, what I loved you know, about Euphoria, think... where it's like you cast Hunter Schaefer to play a female character. You did not cast her to play a transgender character. That is not even mentioned until yeah. season two. And then this brand, you see yeah. them kind of exposing that trait of her. It's like, Dude, she's fucking stunning. Why didn't you just use her as an, I don't know, maybe I'm getting too deep into that, but like mm -hmm. just cast her as a model and like talk about how she's yeah. a model. Like you don't talk about Gigi Hadid in the same way where you're like, she really dug down deep to where the, and it shows in the serum she uses in her face. Like you don't talk about her like <laughs> a personal, you're, she's just a model. Yeah. I don't know. Yep, I, I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. I think um, I think the uh, the ad copy is something that agencies really need to take seriously when they're casting it. Because like, it was a great picture. She, you know, she looked wonderful, but I think they ruined it with the copy. Just trying to you know capitalize on on that fame. Um, but Schaefer was also, which I thought you'd love, was in the uh, Prada, a recent Prada campaign for a Galleria bag. Mm. If that makes any sense to you, mm -hmm. um, I saw it with the bag and mm -hmm. Prada, mm. um, but it's not just the main characters. It goes down the list. So let's do another one. Sydney Sweeney, who uh, she's the blonde girl. I forgot to pull her name. You Cassie. know who I'm talking about? Sydney Sweetie. There you go. Uh, partnered with the undergarment brand P Parade, uh, who posts on her her feed pretty frequently about Parade. Um, the CEO of Parade, Cami Tellez, says Sweeney was a no-brainer due to her refreshing take on a new era of body image. 
which I was going to talk to you Have about. You yeah, you laughed at Sydney that too. Queenie? Yes. Yes. So I was just going to check with you on that. Like, am I missing something? Like, she's blonde, like, thin, like, gorgeous. I mean, you know, I don't want to body shame in the sense that she's thin. Like, of course, like, that is that is and, great if that's what the CEO meant. And but, we're like, also not saying that thin is the epitome of the body shape that we all aspire to be i also want to put that out there absolutely okay great absolutely yeah but absolutely 100 percent. but a new era of body image just doesn't fit sydney sweetie in my opinion right like i you know without saying anything else of that it just to me it doesn't fit that doesn't fit barbie um, fiera i don't know if you go into barbie fiera at all do you mm. No, I don't think so. Okay, so no. she would be out of all the characters, Barbie Fiera kind of goes through um, something in Euphoria where it's like she struggles with toxic positivity and body positivity. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of like seen as so confident. She's a little bit heavier set than the rest of the characters. And so I think her character also speaks to like who she is as an individual where it's like, why am I seen as a hero? Because I'm a little bit heavier set and I like to show my body. Like, what the fuck? How come I can't do that? But Sydney Sweeney can. Uh, so mm -hmm. I feel like she might fit that role a little bit better. But the fact that, yeah, like obviously Sydney Sweeney was a no brainer when it comes to an underwear company, like no fucking shit. You are <laughs> yeah. not reinventing the wheel here fucking parade and yeah. ceo whoever you are like you are yeah. not reinventing yeah. the wheel sydney sweeney has a perfect body to model lingerie you dummies in the classic sense right in the classic sense. thank yeah. you and i'm with Fuck, you i just I'm, ate my words yeah. i just ate my words like yes yeah. sorry i'm with you yeah in the, but it, it, that's all we're saying is like that that tagline associated with sydney sweeney yes yeah, doesn't, doesn't exactly fit. fit. Doesn't fit. Is all we're saying. Um, uh, Jacob L. El Rodi, who plays Nate Jacobs, huge fan. Uh, big dude, huge fan. Good. Um, He's Australian. He was bad boy in Euphoria. There you go. One win for him. Um, uh, he recently did a campaign with Boss, so his is less brand partnership, where he's posting about it and he's just being featured in campaigns uh for boss eyewear and perfumes and whatnot um maddie perez was an interesting one as well she uh plays or alexa demi is her name maddie perez is her character name yeah. uh and then uh she apparently is one that has a signature makeup look in the show am i yeah. correct in that maddie has like a signature Confirmed. makeup look so she actually partnered with yeah so she actually partnered with mac cosmetics uh, as a brand partnership, she posts about them frequently. And in fact, she stars in a makeup tutorial, branded makeup tutorial on how to achieve her signature mm -hmm. character look. So mm -hmm. they're even incorporating her in like brand content and like having her do makeup tutorials. So that was an interesting one to me that we're now seeing like people become famous for makeup tutorials and they get a following. And now we even see like stars that are famous for acting, participating in that so they can increase their audience. I and, just had an aha really moment. Yep. So we, Hit me. we just talked about 
we just recorded a podcast about kind of blurring the lines between reality and endorsements and how children are not able to separate those two things. And it's very interesting to me that now Alexa Demi is saying, this is how you recreate my characters. I'm being paid to recreate my character's signature makeup look, which is wonderful, but she didn't do that herself. Like she doesn't put the makeup on, it's the makeup artist. So A, mm -hmm. why aren't you hiring the makeup artist to say, this is how I create Alex Alexa Demi's signature look. That's my first point. But my second point is uh, we sometimes in TV shows you see people typecasted. Uh, like Michael Sarah is always typecasted as mm -hmm. the awkward fucking nerd or whatever. And now mm -hmm. we're actually paying people to be their character outside of the script, which is mm -hmm kind of weird to me and once again we're just like promoting the blurring of the lines we want we want so badly to be a part of euphoria high school that we're like yes okay alexa come out of the screen put on maddie and be maddie for us be maddie be mm -hmm. maddie be maddie <laughs> That's uh, yeah yeah and it's like it never shuts off so i'm very interested to see how that progresses on the actor psyche but okay so so let we've talked about a few of these but i think you led into a good example like as a brand let's say you're running your marketing director of a brand matt cosmetics what is the big benefit for you to get this maddie character not only as a brand ambassador but as a part of like what's the biggest benefit for you to me, like what do you see as the biggest win? To me, it's so obvious that people are recreating these euphoria looks across the board. And if you're a makeup brand and you're saying, my product will recreate this look, you take, do not second guess it, look no further, buy my eyeliner yeah. and you can create this look. That is the most obvious win to me is okay so let's say let's say uh demi puts out a video what's your key performance metrics on a, a makeup tutorial campaign like that wouldn't that like, be how many products really she looking at wouldn't that be how many products that people walk away with yeah but but i also think like views are a good one you know you got to think and anytime somebody's viewing they see matt cosmetics you know i think it's not even direct and it's like it's like you how many times she appears on like forevermore anytime she appears on that episode she's gonna get a google or on that show she's gonna get a google somebody will look at up how to look at make recreate look her look like, yeah and that'll be the first yeah exactly like i think that's a big win longevity yeah um yeah do you see any other big benefits because it's it appears to me it's not just the actors side that want to do this it's the brand side like eagerly like and we're not like you know prada aside like they're these aren't like and zadea is another animal entirely like you know valentino yeah. tommy hilfiger like those are high-end high-end stuff but the other ones are kind of like beginning starting out and like getting parade getting i've never heard some, of that brand yeah like yeah no so like what do you what do you think that's got to be a big investment for like a small company what do you why would you go all in on that like i know would that that's be your so choice true. as a brand person 
I think that just begs the question of like the power, what is the power of influencer marketing? And I think Mm -hmm. we both go back and forth on that. But if I was a marketer at Parade and I had a budget, I was given a budget to spend on influencer marketing. If I had to go, hey, I'm going to invest in this influencer who has a million followers, but they they're not on a viral show or I'm going to spend a million dollars to create, to uh, hire this kind of sub character on a viral show. I would spend my money on the viral show. Right. Mm, Like, I mm -hmm. just think that that's so obvious to me is like you piggyback on trends as a marketer. I mean, there's a balance, right? Like you yeah. need to see, you need to have a timeless strategy, but you also need to be able to pivot on the drop of a dime. You need to be able to catch on to trends and euphoria is the moment. It is the trend. Yeah. And you need to be able to piggyback yeah. on that um, and partner with these actresses while they are, they are literally at the top of their game. Like literally. Yeah. I, You just, for me as a marketing director, I would say no go because it's a trend, right? You can capitalize it. You can ride the wave and try to see how far you get with it. But that's a lot of money as a small company to invest in a trend. Um, And I do want to lead in this conversation because we do influencer marketing as well. Um, And a big movement in influencer marketing is like, know your worth right? Like know your worth, Mm. know, know how much brands should give you, know how much would they pay you. Like, do you have any thoughts on, I don't blame the actors and the cast of Euphoria for cashing in on this wave, yeah. but like, no, I'm is- thinking about like micro influencers, you know, like how, how do they establish their worth, right? Like what is more worthwhile to you? as a brand, as a brand, it is. No, I I love Mm -hmm. this conversation. I think we can talk about it a little bit more because I'm not totally sold on influencer marketing to be totally transparent. I think I don't see me too. Well, let me back up a little bit. So I guess as a marketer, if I had a million dollars, could I spread out that million dollars into a year campaign and make sure that I invest in an influencer? who will continually push my product to their million followers. And they'll continually push Mm -hmm. my product and stand by it for an entire year. Um, Or Mm -hmm. do I blow my budget for a month on Sydney Sweeney, who will wear my underwear day in and day out, but for only a month? And I think those are two, Mm -hmm. I I think that's kind of what we're starting the conversation on, right? Is like, how do you make that million dollars the most valuable to you? But I do see too, Mm -hmm. what, what annoys me about influencers is they get paid for their post and they say, oh my God, I'm holding a Nalgene. I love this Nalgene. And it seems not authentic. It doesn't seem authentic. Yeah. But if you create a lifestyle of this Nalgene and you see me hiking with it and I'm not necessarily marketing it, I'm not fucking saying sell here and use my code 20% off. And instead of a hiker hiking with this Nalgene, you see Sydney Sweeney hiking with this Nalgene. Like, I think that that is more impactful 
when she incorporates the product into her everyday life. And you see paparazzi catching her with a Nalgene coming out of the workout studio, as opposed to her saying, here's the Nalgene, use my code 20% off, Sydney 20, and you'll get, you know, whatever. So, um, I don't know. I might've just talked myself into a circle. I don't think I had a resolution no. for any of that, but I think those are two options you need to weigh. And I think that investing a million dollars into Sydney Sweeney to incorporate into her lifestyle for over a month and having paparazzi catch her with that Nalgene is more impactful than having an influencer who is not seen by the public eye try to market it with their 20% off code. Yep. And I think uh, you spoke to a great point. I completely agree because the whole goal of advertising is to suspend that disbelief Mm -hmm. that there is money being exchanged, right? And if you pay someone to just use it, then it suspends that disbelief because they're just using it. But if they're like, here, buy this product, that disbelief is not great. So that's my problem with influencers too, is, is really the creativity behind their brand partnerships is at a minimum. Like, I think it's fallen into such a rut right now of how people incorporate brands. Nobody's being very creative about how they work brands into their posts. Like just selling it. And I have something else to say too, because when I think of high fashion labels, um, I want to talk about the Kardashians for just a second because Balmain, I think that's how you say it, Balmain, um, comes to mind Mm -hmm. when I think of the Kardashian because Balmain uses them in all of their advertisements or the majority of their advertisements. They are um, dressed in Balmain in any of their editorials. They are seen in Balmain. And of course Mm -hmm. they... Of course, they dress in other brands, but they talk about Balmain over and over and over again. And while, yes, there is money being exchanged, you're also putting the celebrity in front of a massive campaign that does a lot for their own image. So I look at Sydney Sweeney and um, you're also saying, hey, or let's, let's use Zendaya and Valentino. Valentino is saying, we will put you in a Valentino campaign. Do you know what that will do for your image? And so instead Mm -hmm. of this like typical brand partnership that you're seeing or influencer marketing, you're also seeing them be the face of the brand, which does a lot for the celebrity of the person. And I think that's kind of a creative tactic that brands are starting to use that have that reputation. Granted, if I saw Sydney Sweeney in a parade, I wouldn't even know what parade I don't, I actually, I can't, I don't know. I don't know if you're using that person's face as you're, you're giving them more celebrity as opposed to just saying, Hey, push my product. Yeah. And I think, um, you hit on my kind of last point as well about this is the, the key to these influencer programs that they're running and posting on social media is, is to get you to stop scrolling. And it doesn't matter if it's a brand post, if it features one of the characters from Euphoria and you love that character, you're gonna stop. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole name of the game on social is like, stop scrolling. And that'll capture you from like, it it makes sense to, will that lead to sales? Like, I do not think influencer and these kind of like that, like I don't think Valentino saw a boost in sales from young kids because they featured Zendaya. Like, I don't think so. You know, like kids don't have the money to buy Valentino that even if they like Zendaya, like it's, that one doesn't seem like a great match to me. 
it's not a great ROI. It's just like you're you're capitalizing on but I think the fandom. But I I think Zach, if you're gonna pay a model regardless to to be the face of your brand, why would you pick a no name model versus a celebrity? I agree. So hundred percent agree with that. Like they're gonna spend Mm -hmm. the money regardless why not spend it on someone who might push a little bit more product because she has some celebrity behind her name and then her as a celebrity is going to say yes you in yourself as a brand are a celebrity let you can push my fame a little bit further so this is actually yeah so this is actually a great segue and i think uh the last piece of this moving thank god away from a euphoria into Jesus, the TikTok uh, era. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing a lot. We've been talking about actors going into Instagram and use, or other social media and promoting products. Now we're talking about people that that's how they started. You know, they would create content. They would promote products. Mm-hmm. Like these are brand specialists, right? That come in and are like, they know how to work a brand in there. And now we're seeing them transition into TV. So they're leveraging their digital audience that's used to them pushing products. Now they're going to do it and they're going to use that fame to promote films and TVs and and shows. Uh, Do you see that transition as easier or more difficult? Like which way do you see as more difficult? getting a role acting and then moving into brand partnerships or having a brand partnership following and getting into the acting game. What do you think is more difficult? My gut reaction is to say, and I'm very interested to get an overall consensus of this, but Mm. when people move away from content creators and into the public eye, people are very irritated by that because they say, well, what talent do they actually have? What did they bring to the table? And the, I will like, we're talking about influencers. So I'm going to bring up the Kardashians again, but like the Kardashians did that, Mm -hmm. like fought that conversation for years and years and years and years and years until finally they're like, we don't have to deal with this conversation anymore. Like we're billionaires. (laughs) Like you don't get to have a say. And that, so I, I, I think the transition is much harder to get into, to get the public's win or the public's uh, sign off on you after being um, in your own little world of the internet, your own little piece of the internet. Yep. What do you say? Yep. I, I would agree. I would agree. I think, I think if you make what you, it's like your first intro, introduction to the public eye and it doesn't matter what you are. Like, you know, they hated Steve Carell for trying to move and do dramas after doing the office, Yeah, you know, cause most people were associating. I mean, it, it's, it's the same thing. Whatever you're, whatever you're first associating in the public eye, if you try to change, people are not going to like it. And I think that doubles for content creators because that's all they're known for is like creating short little snippets of digital content. They have their own little digital world that they're very popular in and that they're doing very well in. And as soon as you decide to step out into the broader world, people are going to be like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. So if they have talent, they're going to stick around, but it's, it's a make or break moment for many of these people. They're trying to grow out of that shell. And if it fails and if it flops, where do you go from there? Right. So, right. That does beg the question. Cause opinion. you're like, are you, was being a content creator? Like, is that what you want to do with your life? 
because people mm -hmm. you see celeb mm -hmm. or you see these content creators try to become singers or try to become actresses and I don't, it's too or early to boxers. say. Jake Paul's a f fucking boxer now, yeah. you know, like he's a, like, and then the shit, public like, hates you for this transition. And then you're like, okay, mm -hmm. well is, am I okay? Just being, a, am I okay being a content creator for the rest of my life? Like, I, I don't know. It's just, I, I have never thought about like the actual job description of a content creator. I've never, I don't know what it entails. I'm not. I'm not um, discounting. It's got to be exhausting. Yeah. It's got to be exhausting. For me, it would be like this constant pressing weight of like, what can, like, I need to do this in order to make money. What can I do in my life that'll be good enough content to get views? Like, and people call you it's, a it's gotta. It's like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. as soon but as that's you how you make money. Yeah, so, yeah. Go ahead. No, so that's what that's what I was getting into. So I'm gonna list off some TikTokers. I want you to let me know if you know who they are, and then I'll tell you their upcoming yes. TV film debut because all of them have upcoming films, and it's just kind of this new wave that TikTokers are now able to kind of break into this acting scene. So um, Bryce Hall, do you know who that is? Yes, he's starring in the upcoming film Skill House. <laughs> this this month actually uh where is this movie look coming it up, out that up yourself is it like a netflix is it know. like a straight to dvd type like what what is so, let's hope it's straight to tiktok to straight to dvd that's a great move um skill house these movies all sound terrible i'm gonna be honest with you caitlin like they all sound like awful awful movies josh richards do you know who that is no okay he's apparently a big one he'll star in the upcoming movie halloween party Oh, and it sounds like a sounds really fun. You cheap mentioned ad thriller. Yep. 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 Uh Addison Ray, you mentioned that one. You were familiar uh starting in the upcoming movie He's All That. Not upcoming. Already dropped. Shh. Old news. Already dropped. Old news. Cool. Did how did it do? Did you watch it? Did how did you, it how do? was the acting reviews? I personally well, hated it, but I let me get the rotten tomatoes. Yeah, I'm also like You actually watched it. Oh, you actually watched it. Uh, I was over at my uh, sister-in-law's house and she loves just, she's very much like you where you're like, I love reality TV because it's trashy and it gives me some sort of yeah. entertainment for an hour. So she put it on and I was like, Kristen, I fucking hate that you're doing this, but I will sit here and watch this. Uh, and I tried to, yeah, anyways, I hated it. I hated every second of it it wasn't it was exactly as i thought it was it did exactly how you how, thought it would your, do what was your uh synopsis of addison ray's acting abilities yeah i don't think she's winning any uh, academy awards anytime soon um but she but she like did the job she right like she showed she up gave it a good go yeah she showed up yeah she gave it a go Okay. Uh, 30% on rap, Rotten Tomatoes, 23% audience score for those are referencing. So but I also great, think that like, not great feedback. I don't know. I'm kind of a hater and I'm trying not to be a hater in my older age, but I think a lot of the audience score is the fact that like people hate on her for branching into the movies after just being a content creator. Yeah. And you're like, dude, just give the girl a break. Like, she showed up well yeah and like i think you I, know what i think 
Oh, go, go ahead. No, no, no. I think maybe we're going to say the same thing, but I think like content creating is not just like, you didn't just find her off the street and was like, hey, you're kind of mm. a cute person. Let's put you in a movie and have you make millions of dollars. Like she kind she these people have earned a reputation no matter where it lives right now it lives on the internet they've earned a reputation they've put out content mm -hmm. like we talk about it you're used talked about it you're like god being a content creator has to be exhausting and so yeah. you know they're always having having to put out some sort of content and um so to her credit like she did she earned that role to some degree like she worked for that role yeah definitely so i think and i'm with you and i think i we we pegged why the move from content creator into acting is so difficult because you already have a reputation and a following and your first couple acting gigs are going to be shit movies everybody's first acting gigs are shit movies yeah, you totally. know like they they're just undiscovered you know like they're there's some like kind of minor character in a movie and they're just undiscovered so they go in with no yeah. background but like you're gonna only get if you have no acting in your resume you're not gonna get a spielberg movie off the bat like you're gonna have to run through some shit movies and that's just now you have an audience a large audience that's gonna be watching and critiquing yeah. you on that as well so Wait, that's a yeah, great point. i think that's a difficult part it's like actors start underground you don't know an actor's name mm -hmm. until they have made it and have been successful you think brad pitt you think fight club was his first movie it's like he was probably a part of a colgate <laughs> yeah. commercial and it was so cheesy the script were is like terrible i'm like this hypothetical so uh, but he didn't have yeah. people judging him at every turn where these content creators have millions and millions and millions of people watching their every move and they're not allowed to mess up. So mm -hmm. credit to them. Or they lose their brand partnerships or they lose their brand because it still comes back to yeah. brand partnerships. You yes, know, yes. Like that's still their income, yep. right? Fascinating. Well, that's really all I got for us today. Do you have any like lasting thoughts on the state of like how these young kids are are in in finding fame and utilizing like I, do you see that as a longevity move or do you think it's just the nature of social media and the trends that we're on that you just cash in as soon as you got fame? Like what do you think? What do you think the longevity of this is? Oh, it's so hard. I think, um, I don't know if I have an answer to that specific question, but I will say like, I think everybody is growing up right now wanting to be an influencer. Like people want to be famous. <laughs> people want to have a following on social media and they want to be famous for the sake of being famous. Like, um, and I think it's, I think people don't understand the mental fuckery that comes with that because to Addison's mm. Ray, Addison Ray's credit, she continues to put herself out there every single fucking day and is open to hate comments. Like you think having an audience mm. of 30 million people, people aren't leaving hate comments on your post. Like, 
you know, you're getting body shamed. You're getting, you are leaving. So you're leaving yourselves open to the public and you're just giving and giving and giving. And then as soon as you try to progress your career, people hate on you. So I don't think content creating is as glamorous of a job (laughs) that people give it credit for. Like being famous is really tough work. I can assume, I can only assume. Um, Yeah. Well, I think there's a difference, you know, we talked about it before, like being famous to me is, is like an actor, an athlete, like you have a skill, you have a profession and content creation is a skill. Don't get me wrong. It's definite skill, but, uh, it, it moves so fast that it's more like infamous. You become infamous for one thing, for one angle and for one, and that's not fame. And I think people, young kids, especially blur the lines. In addition, like popularity is like we said, to tie it all back to euphoria, high school's not really clicky now because popularity is, is quantified right? Mm, Like you literally can see how many likes and followers, like there's literal quantification of popularity. So who needs clicks when you just can look on someone's profile and tell how popular they are right there. And I think this instant, I think this instant fame that we're talking about with euphoria, like they're on season two and you're seeing all of these actresses secure brand partnerships right away. It's scary because there is a come down. Like, and I said that, like, I think all of them are just very much at the peak of their success right now. And they they are Mm -hmm. cashing out on it. And I I think you should, but mentally you have to know that this could all come, the rug could come underneath, sweeping out from underneath you. And um, so it's okay if you want to cash out on this. I think you should, Uh, but just, I think mentally you have to be prepared that this isn't the long game. Like parade is not going to pay Sydney Sweeney for the rest of her life to model underwear. And she has to be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think it's like these, I just feel for these kids, man, like they're monetizing. It's come to a point. My big issue, my big takeaway with this, with brand partnerships is that you are monetizing every moment of your life. Like you need to take some time, take stock, like just be a human for a little while. Cause like the modern day with social media content creation and working and being an actress on top of that or an actor on top of that, every moment of your life is, is monetized. And for what, you know, for what? I I just think that's the scary thing for me. I have nothing else to add to that. I think that's so spot on. Actually, I do have something else to add because I can't stop talking about that. (laughs) Um, You're good. It's euphoria. One thing that I've seen, uh, like viral videos, their creators, they'll be like, okay, my video accidentally went viral. I gained thousands of followers and now I have nothing to post. And they feel this insurmountable pressure to think Mm. of something to appease their audience. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also the mental fuckery that comes with this instant fame. It's like, and, and what we maybe saw with Alexa Demi is like, well, wait a second, I'm famous for being Maddie. So I'm going to continue to, uh, this isn't, you know, this is a hypothetical. So I'm yeah. going to continue yeah. to keep being Maddie until I can't be Maddie anymore. 
Mm-hmm. And then what do you do? You like lose your identity or whatever. But I, we see mm-hmm. that in TikTok a lot where like videos just go viral on accident. They gain thousands of followers and people are like, why are you even at my page? Like this wasn't total flu. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And then people. And now if you something. change up content, they're not going to like it. That's yeah. And now that if you change up content from that, vi- they're not going to like it. You know, that's another you thing. Now you're, like, now you're stuck. If that's you, infamy, that's not fame. That's ooh. infamy. I like that differentiation. Mm-hmm. If you are famous mm-hmm. for doing makeup tutorials, how dare you talk about mental health? How dare you talk about being a mother? I only want you to talk about yep. makeup. And then you pigeonhole yep. this person and put them in a box. And I feel like that's what actresses do. Or the, this is what we're, we yep. might be seeing with Euphoria characters is we're pigeonholing That's what I'm them. thinking. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what I'm thinking too, because of all these brand partnerships. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's not going away anytime soon either. So get on the train of seeing people promoting shit in your feed. I love it. Not going anywhere. I love a good Valentino ad starring Zendaya <laughs> and I love a good Shiseido ad starring Hunter Schaefer. So keep bringing it on people. Awesome. Well, if you hated my opinion of euphoria or hated Caitlin's opinion, which is far <gasps> more likely. Excuse than, you. <laughs> then, then hop over to our Facebook group, manipulating the masses podcast. Uh, this has been presented by McMillan and Phillips agency. You can give us a follow on uh, McMillan Instagram, Twitter, uh, MacmillanPhillips.agency, and let us know your thoughts. And if you provoke me, I'll talk shit on Euphoria all day. I'll even watch more episodes just to talk <gasps> shit on Euphoria. I'll oh, take I'm on gonna, that crowd. I'm gonna provoke I will. you. I'll do it. Okay. I'll do, I'll do it. Okay. I'll do it. All Don't right. threaten me with we'll a see good you time. Next week, guys. Bye. <laughs> all right. Bye.